Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are excited to be back together. Oh, always. It's always such a pleasure. I love it. I love being with you. You know, Megan, I just really love you. I, I don't think I've told too. you. I don't think I've told you. That. I do say that a lot to my girlfriends. I love you because it's just so much joy in my heart. And that's how I express it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love you, too. I love you, too. And that is actually our topic for today. It's right. love. And we'll be unpacking a little bit more about what love can be, what it should be, what God gives us in our hearts. But, you know, as we were talking about it in, in the fact that we both are just very free with our expressions of love for our friends. We recognize that in this day and age, you know, sometimes people feel really uncomfortable about just expressing authentic love um, verbally and, and maybe in physical expressions with hugs and, you know, a kiss on the cheek or, or whatever, where we're just moved in our hearts to show that affection. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is so sad about our current culture is that because love has kind of been hijacked, been taken as a political slogan, even love is love. And, you know, that we've lost our way a little bit about understanding what is true love. You know, I'm reminded, Megan, of the time we spent together again at your your place in the country on our retreat Mm -hmm. where we went to the little monastery. Oh, yes. yes. We went to the monastery for daily mass. So cute. It was just a little farmhouse. It was absolutely enchanting. And the last day we decided um, to request um, reconciliation. We want to go to confession on our last day of our retreat out there. And so well, let us just give you a little more understanding of this monastery was a Benedictine monastery, which consisted of one priest and one brother. <laughs> that was the whole monastery. So right. we're talking little, little. It was great. And so we did, we requested it. And they said the day before, you know, we'd gone to daily mass the day before. And they said, sure, just come a little early. And so we had confession on the front porch. It was just, it was lovely. The birds were tweeting. The wildflowers were beginning to bloom a little mm-hmm. bit. It was really wonderful. But he kind of said the same thing to all three of us as we're driving home. We realized we compared some confession notes. Confession notes. So do you want to take it from here? No, no. You you okay? So he was just so charming, and I really says, you know, I would like to really replace the word love in our vocabulary with the words willing the good of the other. Yeah. To Think of it in those terms, to will the good of the other. And I have to say, it had a really nice effect on me and in my relationships. Mm -hmm. Because just loving the way I currently or had been living it is showing a lot of mercy, forgiving easily and things like that. But when you look at it as willing the good of the other, that may mean some correction. Right. And and it does that term, you know, to will the good of the other. It really harkens back to St. Thomas Aquinas when he was talking about very much what we're going to talk about today, which is the theological virtue of love. And we've discussed on previous episodes that I have some Italian descent in me. And the Italian language uh, does a very good job of acknowledging this because the the term to say I love you, you say ti voglio bene, which means I desire your good. Mm, Isn't that beautiful? beautiful? So, yeah. So desiring the good of another. And 
it's interesting because that can be a little dangerous place if we don't have a good concept of what is good. Right. That's where that human formation, like theological, but human formation as well comes in that we are um, required by our faith to be well-formed. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but in the current culture, people are really in love with the concept of mercy, but they often want to divorce it from the concept of justice. (sighs) And the reality is God's love is merciful. But it's also just. And unless the two work together, it's not true love. And, you know, mercy without justice is just basically do whatever you want. Licentiousness, pretty much. It's whatever you want to do is fine because, oh, you know, I'm merciful. And justice without mercy is tyrannical. You know, just, ah. But together, they comprise what truly is the heart of the Lord of knowing and desiring our good. And he alone truly knows what is the good of us and others. That's right. Right. And so that's a place where, you know, when we're trying to understand what does love look like? How can I love better? We also have to be in a place of humility to understand that I'm not always going to know what is actually the good of the other. And sometimes we have to just admit, I can't determine this <laughs> for, yeah. for someone else and, and trust that the Lord's going to work and we pray for their good, but not necessarily be the active agents for trying to tell them what that is. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like when you were talking about how it's kind of gone off the rails today, meaning that people say love then is is kind of translated in anything goes. Mm-hmm. And there's that little whisper in the ear from the great deceiver. No, that look at this freedom, which really isn't freedom at all. That is bondage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a type of bondage to think that it anything goes. It reminds me, actually, on my way to the studio today, I was listening to um, a podcast where a priest, Father James Blunt, was on it. And he was talking about the history of um, the founding of the first satanic church. And... It happened like at this witches convention in like 1966 or something. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, they it was at that point that the motto of the Catholic uh, of the Catholic. Oh my gosh, no of the of the Satanic Church, whatever you want to call it, was set forth, and it was do what you whatever you will, and. That and how that contrasts to, and he was contrasting it to what Mary said at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you to do. That's so good. And so that was really interesting. Mm. I thought that juxtaposition and this idea of just, I get to call the shots and I get to determine what love is, is really in a dangerous place. Well, do whatever you will. 
I start to follow that down this road because this path then is, okay, well, let's take um, maybe the sin of pornography to view pornography. What happens there? It's an addictive entrapment that leads to slavery. So that encouragement to do whatever you will can lead you down these paths of any type of addictive behaviors, whether it's gluttony or lust or, you know, all those things, Mm -hmm. which is slavery and not freedom. Absolutely. And there is freedom in love. Of course, as you know, she's smiling at me because she knows that one of my favorite (laughs) verses in the Bible is from the letter of St. John. Did I set that up well for you? You I did. did. Yeah, you really did. (laughs) Where he says, um, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear because fear comes from judgment. And I think that is so timely, right? Because so many people live in a spirit of fear and anxiety now where, you know, obviously during, you know, the whole pandemic business, um, people were fearful of that. But now it's just fear of the future, fear of what's going to happen in government and the church and all these sort of things. They just like consumed by anxiety But if scripture tells us perfect love casts out all fear, then we have to ask ourselves, if I'm living in fear, clearly my love needs perfecting. Right. And and let's make the clarification there. A lot of that love has to do with loving Christ. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because as I was telling the little story about um, that founding of the satanic church and the motto being do what you will, it's interesting because that motto is actually the second part of a quote from St. Augustine. Because St. Augustine says, love Christ, then do what you will. With the point being that if love for Christ is your ordering principle, what you will, what you desire to do, will be good and holy things. Because Mm -hmm. why? What does Jesus say? If you love me, you'll do what I command. That's right. And I think that part is so important is this idea that the love of God is not just expressed in these feels like, oh, you know, he, I'm so happy and joyful to, to worship him. And, and, you know, I feel so good. And when I'm in church or I feel so good when I get to, you know, have some kind of experience at the church where I'm with other believers. No, true love means doing his commands and we can't claim to love the Lord if we're not concerned with areas in our lives where we're falling short short to do what he wills. Yeah. I mean, Megan, that really, really hits home for me because I can't remember a time where we're talking about what it means to be a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. What does it really mean? So, so I, 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 originally I thought to be a Christian means that you believe that Jesus is the son of God. But that's not where it stops, right? Mm -hmm. Then I started coming into more of what you're saying now. If you believe who I am, you will do what I say. You will keep my commandments, right? Mm -hmm. How many people are keeping the commandments? Not many, right? So that's really a true love indicator. So I'm really bringing this point home for our radio listeners. Are you keeping the commandments? Are you telling Jesus you love him? By keeping the commandments. Mm -hmm. And he talks so much about being 
sort of in a place of forgiveness and trying to reconcile differences. And, you know, I love what John writes in his first letter where he says, those who say I love God and hate their brother and sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And how many times do we hear in families and and in business relationships and everything like, oh, I cannot stand so-and-so. I I hate that person. They're dead to me. All these sort of things. And then they think that they can be a good Christian with this unforgiveness, this unloving spirit towards another person. Now Mm -hmm. we've talked, Mm -hmm. you know, in other episodes about how to love another person doesn't mean you have to be in an intimate relationship with them. You know, if they're a toxic individual, if they're somebody who's actively being abusive towards you or whatever, you can withdraw your presence from the from another, but you cannot remain in a spirit of hatred and unforgiveness and say that you love the Lord because who was it that said, oh, Dorothy Day, Dorothy Day, you brought yes. it up when we were talking the yeah. other day. Yeah. Dorothy Day said, I only love God as much as the person I love the least. That's so convicting, isn't it? Ouch. So right? convicting. Yeah. It is convicting. Yeah. So, okay. I think this is time for a temperature check. Okay. So in light of that Dorothy Day quote, I'm not going to tell you to name the person <laughs> that comes oh, to your look heart. what you're doing. She's <laughs> referring to that... a conversation we had off air. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to tell you to name that person, but I want you to bring that person to mind sure, that sure. you love the least. I, well, well, stop. I do... Just bring that person to mind right now. The person you love the least. And ask yourself, am I comfortable with loving God that much? And if the answer is no, how can you grow in love of that person? Right. Well, it's interesting you say it that way because I was really clear that I I do love her. Okay. Now, I know who you're talking about right now. I'm going to challenge you that okay. that's actually the person that you love the least. That is? Yeah. I, is that really the person you love the oh. least? Hmm. That might be the person that you interact with that you are maybe annoyed by or whatever, yes. but I mean like the person who in oh, your heart, least. there is the least desire for their good. Least desire for their good. Ooh, that's a hard one, Megan. Um, Do I have someone like that? Mm. Like an enemy. Kind well, of you thing. don't necessarily have to call them an enemy, but you could say like, all right, I wouldn't be devastated if something not great happened to them. Oh, I couldn't say that about anyone. No, well, maybe no, you're just, I couldn't. Um, Okay, then maybe I'll say it this way. The person that you, it would be the most struggle for you to do something really generous towards. For no other purpose than to bless them, not because you were trying to accomplish something other than just to simply bless them. That's still such a tough one. I, okay, I mean, you know what? I mean, <laughs> you're just way better than I am because I have somebody in, okay, that I can think then. of. And when I think about it and I... The answer is, am I comfortable with that being the the most I love the Lord? Absolutely not. I am absolutely convicted that no, I cannot dwell on that as being acceptable. So as far as how I could love this person better, what I really 
think of is because, because this isn't necessarily a person that wants to be in relationship with me. So I should be more active about praying for this person specifically for things that would bless the person. Whereas I can generally say, oh, you know, I pray for them to, you know, experience more of your love, Lord, or I, you know, these sort of just general kind of ethereal things, but to like literally with specificity of that individual in mind, praying for good for them. I think that would really change my heart more in seeing that person as a beloved child of God. And that's the place I think where we struggle to love when we stop using the God perspective and start using our own wounded perspective. Yeah, for sure. And another thing that really comes to mind that I was um, yesterday sitting at this place that is so precious to me, Holy Name Passionist Retreat Center in Houston. I've spoken before about how I'm a lay passionist. And on the grounds, they have a beautiful statue of the Pieta. And they have Mary. And Mary's holding Christ, you know, on her lap, in her arms. But she's looking out. She's not looking down at her dead son. She's looking out. And as I was looking at that, I recognized she is holding the most precious love of her life, the most valuable thing to her, which has been taken from her. She's holding the very thing that she has lost and she's looking out, loving the people who took it from her, Mm. took him from her. Mm -hmm. That is love. Yes. When you stop thinking about what people took from you, what you didn't get, all these things about you and what you wanted to be, and you simply look out and love even the person that caused the, the deprivation, pain. the mm-hmm. pain, the whatever. Mm-hmm. And that in that moment, I was like, Lord, it is only through your grace that I can love like that. And thank you so much for giving us a mother who was full of grace, who showed us what that looks like. Amen. And and that just makes me realize that I didn't do what we always have been doing in this theological virtues of reading what the catechism has to say about what is this theological virtue. But I think it really segues from that. It's from 1822 Charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. Mm. It's that perspective. She's looking out. Mary is looking out, loving those who took her son from her. Why? Because her heart is completely united to the heart of God and she sees the people that God allowed this to happen for. She's not focused on what she lost. She's focused on what God's doing. Mm. And that's how it comes in with faith, hope, and love. They flow from each other, right? It's only because she had 
absolute faith in God, trust in his plan, and hope that he was going to bring to fulfillment the salvation of souls, that she's able to love the reason for the pain. She had perfect trust. Perfect trust. Perfect. Wow. I'd like some of that. Would you like some of that? Perfect trust. Let's keep working on it. <laughs> well, we. Um, what can we do? That's the. That's the question. Then, right? If it's a gift, how do we grow in it? How yes. do we increase in our love? Right. Well, um, I want to go into a little bit more about the definition of the agape. When we did okay, talk yeah. about this in in our. Um, our podcast number two. Way back when, <laughs> the second podcast. Ago. Yeah. We talked about the the loves. The four loves, yeah. And now this one is the agape love, that you love God above all things, right? Mm-hmm. And that to me is a beautiful phrase to really keep in my heart when I feel sorrowful or don't like the way things are going in life. I love God above all things. And he's ordained what's happening in my life um, to grow me and to love me. Yeah, and he works. That's kind of that personal agape, that personal love and and expressions of that. And Megan, I think it's really important for us to to tell our listeners moments in our lives that we've experienced a deep experience of Christ's love. Hmm. I mean, there have been really so many. It'd be interesting. Most directly from God himself, as opposed Mm -hmm. to through the conduit of another person. Okay. The, my experience of his love was the first time I received the Eucharist. Mm, So beautiful. I, you know, having gone through RCIA, but having come to the belief of Christ's presence in the Eucharist right at the beginning I, you know, went through nine months of longing and waiting for him. And then to be able to walk up that aisle and be given God Almighty to take into myself the fact that he loved me so much that not only did he call me out of agnosticism, call me to himself, call me to a more full and just fulfilling faith in the Catholic church. Oh, that's not enough. No, 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 that's not enough. (laughs) Now I'm going to give you my very body, blood, soul, and divinity so that I can dwell in you and that I can consummate this love relationship with absolute union. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Otherworldly. Otherworldly. Absolutely. And interestingly, after receiving the Eucharist for the first time, after bawling pretty hard for a little while, I actually looked up and I watched the other people in the church receiving him too. And I realized I am now in a one body relationship with all y'all too. Wow. Like we are now brothers and sisters in a more profound way than genetics could ever, right. you know, 
make happen. Right. Well, I, I don't want to just tell our listeners that it looks so different for everybody the way they experience it, because now I'm about to tell you mine. You've okay. heard, heard Megan's, which is very profound and amazing. Mine is very simple. <laughs> one of my more profound moments was, I believe that I was putting a child down for a nap, one of my children, mm-hmm. um, some time ago. And I experienced God as pure joy. Mm. And it was so intense that it was a little painful. Oh, yeah. It was a little painful because it was so intense, but I knew exactly what it was. And it was like a split second Mm -hmm. and it was painful and and joyful. And just it it was something that I will never forget. I remember where I was, what we're doing, you know, what the bedspread looked like when I was putting Mm -hmm. the child down for a nap, all of those things. Um, and I've, I've held on to that memory in times of desolation. Mm, yeah. Recall that time sure. of joy, that time of that, that I felt deeply God's love for me as a precious daughter. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I, I've never felt it to that extent since then, but I know it. Right. Yeah. That's straight out of the playbook of St. Ignatius of Loyola because he says, you know, in times of desolation, you're meant to recall. Yeah. Times I may of have read that before. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> good on you I'm for using some of the saints wisdom. Right. I highly yeah. recommend that. I'm not original. <laughs> One of the verses um, in the Bible that uh, came to mind as I was pondering this theological virtue of love is interesting because it actually kind of ties a little bit to my coming into the church because the year after I came into the church at the Easter Vigil, I was a lector at the same church at the Easter Vigil. And the passage that I read during the vigil was the one from Ezekiel 36 And he says, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Mm. And that's the point here about love, true supernatural love. It's the act of God in you, taking out the stone and putting in the flesh. But the thing about flesh is, while it is so much more capable of expanding and feeling. It's also much more vulnerable than stone. Mm, For sure. Wow. Yeah. And while our stony hearts may not love very well, they tend not to get hurt either. And this is the flip side of love. Isn't this why we turn them to stone? To protect ourselves? The walls, the self-protection, the walls. But this is the flip side of love. It's dangerous to love. It because is. you might hurt. You might get hurt. But the truth of the matter is, is that even the hurt can be the blessing of the Lord. But we'll never experience it if we, if we say, nope, nope, keeping the stony heart. I want the stony heart, stony heart. The stony heart is safe. The stony heart is comfortable. The stony heart is what I know. The Lord wants so much more for us than hearts of stone, mm. but we have to be willing to lay down on that table and let him do the heart surgery. Amen. Over and over and over <laughs> again. And can we have enough faith yeah. in his goodness and enough hope for what will come um, yeah. if we have that heart surgery so that yes. we will willingly lay on that table because he will not make us. Right. 
It's interesting you use that metaphor to lay on that table just like he does for us each Sunday. Amen. That is so true. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And how vulnerable does he make himself? Oh, so vulnerable. You know, I just listened to, um, it was some priest giving a homily. I forgot exactly where it's from, but he was talking about the deplorable state of the belief in, in the Eucharist in the church. And he was saying regularly. He has a parishioner come up to him and say, you know, I found a, a host on the floor. I found a host in the pew, you know, just left there. You know, just think about that's, so that's Christ mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. who, who makes himself so vulnerable to us that he's willing to be left in a pew or trampled on on the floor simply for the chance that we will really receive him in that divine union. Yeah. I've noticed we spent a whole lot of time on our love of God, but we need to actually throw in some human relationship here too, right? And it all flows from that. It flows from that. And I want to, like, as I'm teaching my teenagers about love, marriage, commitment, um, one of the things that I learned a long time ago that was really so profound in loving another person, another human being, that love is a verb. Mm Mm-hmm. You do it. You love the other. And there's two often times where people are getting confused in the feeling um, like, oh, I don't love them anymore mm-hmm. because the feelings have evaporated. Sure. But indeed, no. It is an action. It is a verb to love them. Yeah. And I would also say that the action that precedes the external manifestation is the choice to will the good of the other. That has to happen internally before it can be exhibited externally. And so if we're struggling to show the evidence of our love externally, we then have to ask ourselves internally, what's preventing me from making the choice to love I'm so glad you said that, Megan, because so oftentimes we are always so quick to look at the other person causing us to feel X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. right? But the real question is, is let me examine my interior. What's allowing me to block that love? Why am I doing that? Yeah, I love that this idea of the interior versus the exterior is coming out because we're talking about it as, okay, maybe there's something in the interior that's blocking the exterior. But when we were talking about this topic, of course, you can't think about love and not think about the um, letter to the Corinthians, the first letter to Corinthians with chapter 13, where you have the most famous, you know, sort of canticle of Paul about love. And the interesting thing that he starts with is actually saying, I can have the external manifestations of things, but if my interior isn't right, it's meaningless. Because it talks about pure. So basically we're talking about the purity of the intention of what's going on externally. And we just decided that that was so big and so beautiful that we're going to, in a future podcast series, spend a lot of time with chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians and really unpack all that Paul is saying about what is love. And it's beautiful and it's transcendent. And there's so much 
that goes beyond just a really nice reading for marriage ceremony, marriage ceremonies. <laughs> right. For weddings, for sure. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's and and that's something that we actually, to kind of project a little more, one of the things that we really are desiring to do, Pam and and me, is to go into scripture more. So we're going to start doing more shows where we kind of pick our own favorite um, Bible verses and really unpack them. Mm-hmm. And not only what they mean for us in a sort of theological way or, you know, a faith way, but just why they speak so much personally and to our hearts. And how they've impacted us and, yeah, and, and how, how we've changed and how we act them out too. Because mm-hmm. we really are supposed to be living Right. Words, you know, of God. We're we're supposed to preach with our very souls, our very lives. And what are we supposed to preach? But, you know, God's words and scripture is so much um, the blueprint for life. Okay. As we wrap up this show, Megan, let's give some practical tips how to increase in love of God. First, the biggie. Spend more time with him. Prayer. Yeah. Spend more time with him. Right. You know, I I remember when I was a kid. Um, there used to be that, uh, the Muppet show. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy that came on and sang that little song um, where he's like, he's ta- talking about how to know me is to love me, basically, he was saying. And so I was going to sing it for y'all, but I just can't remember it. And honestly, I, that would probably be an assault and not very loving. <laughs> for me to sing that would probably not be willing or good. <laughs> so, so I won't do it. But this idea that, the more you know God, the more you're going to love him because he is infinitely adorable, right? Mm. And so to spend time with him in prayer and also spend time with him in the word so that you come to know him more and his heart more and you will just fall more and more in love with him. And the right. more you fall in love with him, the more you'll want to love others because they just flow from each other. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. And if you don't know where to start, start with your desire. Jesus, I desire to love you more, to know and love you more. And he will, he'll get right in there and help you out. And just lay on that table and wait for the surgery to happen. That's (laughs) right. Amen. His anesthesia is good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we, we hope that these uh, this series on the theological virtues has really blessed you. And we've certainly been blessed just pondering them. Um, if they have, please consider sharing them uh, in any way that you would like. We'd always like to thank Red Sea Catholic Radio for their generous um, production of this podcast. And if you check them out on Red Sea Radio dot org you can yeah. find all sorts of things there'll be links to podcasts and there's an app and, and everything so we can hope that you'll check them out and hope that you will share this podcast and tune in next time until then god bless god bless <laughs>